We are Vintage City Church based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Welcome to our podcast. As a family, we are currently studying the Book of Romans. If you'd like to watch the live video of this teaching, head over to VintageCityChurch.com. We are so glad you are here. Let's get started with today's teaching. I so appreciate our teams and all the work throughout this place. Yeah, wow. I don't know about you, but I felt like I just got invited into a journey today in worship just to chase with the Lord. It's so sweet. I want to take us into Romans 12. I want to take a look at verse 9, 10, and 11. Lord willing, we can get through it. Last gathering, we didn't even get there, so... They'll have to listen to the podcast and what they listen to. So we've been looking at the motivational gifts that Paul calls out. We looked at those last week. Uh, We um, were, I don't know about you, but I was challenged by what we looked at last week. In verse nine, Paul will make a statement that I think is so difficult. He says, don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Don't just pretend that you love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, stand on the side of the good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Let's read that again, it's good. Don't just pretend that you love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, stand on the side of the good, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. An incredibly appropriate passage to be in for the time of year because the holidays generally mean that we get to hang around with family, which generally means that our ability to love is deeply challenged. This phrase, don't just pretend that you love others, really love them, the most literal rendering, I I love this, when we were studying this, love undisguised, being repulsed by evil, and being glued to good. Love undisguised, being repulsed by evil, and being glued to good. This word pretend that Paul will use here, In the original language, the word means hypocrisy or pretense or pretend. The root idea of the word is to play the part of an actor in a theatrical play. So what is it to act or pretend? If we wanna really dig into it, it means to feign a condition that's not really there. We understand that if we watch a movie, Matt Damon's really not Jason Bourne. He really doesn't possess those abilities. He's just playing a part, he's acting. And we embrace it because we we enjoy being invited into that moment. No matter how hard we try, none of us has figured out how to use the force. It's probably for everybody else's benefit. Because I would like use like invisible missiles and force people off the road. But we understand what it is to be an actor. So what if we consider this word phrase as a mandate to the one that is loving 
to be fully committed to love and fully committed to honesty. Because Paul is dealing with how we interact. He's, he's speaking very specifically to the family of God, and he's addressing this thing called love. And his statement is, don't just pretend that you love others. Have you ever been around somebody that you know was pretending that they love you? Hey, brother. You know that there's not a real condition of I'm living for your benefit in them. It's just this facade because it's what we're supposed to say. Paul's statement is do not do that in any capacity. Now, I would offer that what I gave was the really easy, low-hanging fruit when we gather in public. I would also offer we do this in our personal relationships all the time. We let things creep in that rob love, and we act like it. We say the right things, but we don't really carry the right behavior. This is what Paul's dealing with. That the one who is loving is to be simply and fully committed to love and fully committed to honesty i.e. don't fake it, and when you don't want to do it, choose it. Let me repeat that. <laughs> According to Paul, we're never allowed to fake our love, and when we don't want to love, we're never allowed to not choose love. We're, in, we're invited instead to choose love. I worked for uh, Kent Hummel at Good Shepherd Church for a long time. It was a, a fantastic, I, I, my dad was a heister. He worked on forklifts, like heisters. He was a mechanic. And so if you, if you understand the way forklifts are constructed, they have these motors that have an incredible amount of torque. And in order to get the most out of the forklift, which means we want the power to be in a certain spectrum, we put a governor on the motor. And the governor allows the forklift to do its job without being able to go 50 miles an hour and tip over. When I went to work for Kent Hummel, I made a statement that I feel like he's a governor on this forklift. He was really good at helping me figure out how to walk in balance. And he used to make this statement to me all the time. Motion creates emotion. Stepping into the right behaviors often brings the emotion to follow it. And see, all too often we wait for our emotion to instigate motion. We want, to, we want to feel it before we do it. Paul's statement here is very different. And I want us to consider the implications of what Paul's saying. We know we're called to love one another because that's everywhere in the New Testament. How many would agree you've heard it said at least once we're called to love one another? How many have never read your Bible? <laughs> this is my commandment that you... Wait, you're going to have to say it because at least I want to know you memorized one thing in Scripture. This is my commandment that you... That your joy may be what? Wait. This is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be empty? Pacified? No, the word is filled. So there's all of this matrix hidden in the scripture that the secret to fulfillment in life is actually stepping outside of the emotional love, stepping into what I would call intentional choice love. See, Paul seems to understand that in our sin nature, we all have this dangerous potential to go through the motions. How many have been married long enough to know when you go into roommate stages? Where you've ceased 
to be passionately in love, you cease to be working towards the betterment of each other, and you've now just decided to cohabitate and put up with each other. Anybody else ever been there? How many have been there with your coworkers? You wake up and you go to work, you're like, I, I don't wanna see these people today. Oh. It doesn't happen here at the church. Be, be, don't be worried about it. We have a great team, love them. But we know what it's like to have moments in life when we go through the motions. How many parents do that with your kids? But I want us to consider the implication of this calling that Paul is setting before the church. I am never allowed to fake my love and I am never allowed not to love. Everybody take a big deep breath. I'm never allowed to fake my love and I'm also never allowed not to love. Why is that important? Because a lot of us would love to say, well, I'm not gonna fake it if I don't feel it, I'm not doing it. And Paul's statement is that's just as wrong. It becomes a set of spiritual handcuffs that force us to live in and walk in love that is genuine. So, let's have a fresh conversation about love. What is love for a believer? How many have ever been to a wedding? How many have ever heard 1 Corinthians 13? How many can recite it? How many recite it and don't really pay attention to what it means? <laughs> love is patient and kind. The word patient here, uh, this definition I both love and hate. To exhibit internal and external control in difficult situations. That's the word patient. Makrothumai is the word in the Greek. Easier way to understand it is a long holding of the mind. But it's not just the mind. In context, throughout history, this word has been used to describe a condition of being able to manage my internal and my external behaviors for the purpose of love. Okay, let's look at the word love. How many have been in church long enough to know what the word love is here? Let me hear it. Agape. What does agape mean? Unconditional love. It actually goes a step beyond that. That's part of it. It goes to the place of saying, it is living for the benefit of another. It is love without any possible need of repayment. From Paul's point of view, love is to be delivered from us outward, not in reaction to a transaction. Gonna go ahead and let you think on that one for a second. <laughs> love is patient and kind. The word kind here means to be mild or pleasant, as opposed to harsh and sharp. I would love us to consider that these two words, patient and kind, are actually presented together for a reason. They're connected in the way Paul presents this. Perhaps because there's a link between patience and teaching ourselves how to handle others in a mild and pleasant manner. How many have been gifted with hot-headedness? Yes. Somebody's coined it, you're deeply passionate. <laughs> or under self-controlled. 
both monikers fit. That perhaps we have to step into this condition of macrothumai where we learn how to control what's going on on the inside, controlling what's happening on the outside, and that gives us the ability to actually live in a kind way with others around us. If we want to just dig into the nitty-gritty and kind of dig into where we live, what Paul's statement here is really simple. We are never allowed in the kingdom to allow what's going on around us or in us to affect how we handle others. This is the dumbest teaching in the Bible. But it's all over the scriptures. And he goes on and says, Love's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And he uses four words here that we have to look at. The word jealous here means not to boil in anger or get overheated. We grab jealous and we think it means instantly, oh, jealous means I want somebody else's stuff. That's not the word here at all. The word means to boil over on the inside. It's the idea of getting spun up because you won't quit thinking about something. It's a whole different version of jealous. Jealous. to get overheated. All of a sudden, Paul's statement is, love doesn't lose its cool. You're like, wait, you're telling me when I lose my cool, I'm not loving? Duh. (laughs) But yes, that's what he's saying. Boastful, to tell of one's own abilities and exploits. It's not just to brag on yourself, it's to use your perspective as the proof text for why somebody else should live different. How many have to go home and like really repent for some arguments this week? (laughs) Love is not proud, which means to inflate oneself at the expense of others. Boastful and proud work together, same idea. Rude. It's a really interesting definition. It means to act in a shameful way. I would love to submit to us that if we learn to be tender to the Holy Spirit, he will tell us when we're wrong. But a lot of us have shut the Holy Spirit off and we don't pay attention when he talks. We become so committed to our own perspective that we ignore his voice. And here's the, I hesitate to say this because I think it's bad theology, but here's the problem with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't force his agenda. Oftentimes, He whispers quietly and will not say it twice. And if we're so committed to our perspectives and to our overheating and to living in these things that Paul says not to do, we just miss what he says entirely. We never hear him say, hey, that's wrong. And we go blindly along going, I was right. My perspective is right because we missed his voice. Paul seems to be talking about a condition of cautious living where we're so concerned about the perspective of the Holy Spirit that we walk with a a certain carefulness. I.e., if if our life in Christ is like driving the car, we keep the radio at a really modest volume. We don't ever let it go blaringly loud so we ignore everything around us. Have you ever had that moment where you're driving through traffic and you're rocking out and all of a sudden a fire truck comes blindly past you and you're like, whoa, I didn't even hear the siren. Maybe I should turn my music down. Just a thought. He says, love doesn't demand its own way. Interesting word. It means to look for what matters to itself and to worship its own perspective. 
See, demanding our own way isn't always about needing to get something. Sometimes it's about being so stubborn that we won't relent on our perspective. Is not irritable. Love is not irritable. The root word here means to provoke or to exasperate. It's the idea of being intentionally difficult so as to cause another person to lose hope. Anybody ever been in a relational? See, Paul's talking about peer relationships here, so this is the world we all live in, whether we like it or not. You ever been in that situation where you're around somebody who no matter what, they just won't back down? They won't just do the commonplace thing of giving in, and they just wanna be stubborn? Anybody been that person in the relationship? Paul's statement here is that that's not love and it's wrong. Now, we've got to remember, we began chapter 12 with essentially Paul saying, I need you to get over the way you think. Your mind has to be renewed and transformed. And so now he's moving into a passage. He's like, I want to make sure you understand all these personality traits, these behavioral conditions that are part of who you are as people. These are actually not from heaven. He says, love does not remember or record offenses. The word phrase here means to account or compute anything of a bad nature suffered. But it carries a strange idea of coming to a false conclusion based on your own accounting. It's the idea of cooking the books mentally to where you've added up X, Y, and Z and you came to a conclusion that actually was not there, but it made sense to you, so you ran with it. Anybody else ever done that? Anybody else was a born conspiracy theorist? We're just gonna leave it right there. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of platforms to be had. We're not having any. It seems to be the idea of concluding something about another based upon how their wrong behavior caused you to assess it. I would postulate that it's the very idea of allowing a person's love to be devalued based upon the way they treat you. You've decided they don't care about you. They're not good to you and all of a sudden you feel this beautiful entitlement to give them a friendly wave, to treat them differently, to put them at arm's reach. He said, love never sides with injustice but always chooses truth. The word phrase here means to cheer for and celebrate what is wrong or unjust, and instead, this invites us to only celebrate what is true. It's kind of the idea of stubbornness, i.e., where we, out of the delusion of pride, refuse to step out of our stubbornness so love can win. How many have ever considered that sometimes love winning is about stubbornness losing? And until we're willing to let go of stubbornness and set it aside, we've sentenced love to die. He says, love will never quit. I think we, this one feels like a greeting card. Yeah, love never quits. But in the Greek, it's really interesting. The root word means to cover over as in a thatched roof. If you know what a thatched roof is, that's an old world style of roofing system where they would take hay and they would take 
wood, they would build the beams and then pack it full of hay, so much so that it would condense down and create a layer that was impermeable or less permeable. So it's, it's, it could be the idea of choosing silence. In the Greek, this is how it plays out, which is really interesting. When one has the right to express something, it's the idea of choosing silence when you're justified in what you wanna say and you choose that silence because you wanna preserve love. Now we live in this beautiful world right now that says if you feel it, you have the right to say it. Paul's statement here is it's actually not the case because love is your highest calling and if you choose anything that undermines your love, it's actually wrong. It can also be the idea of choosing to cover wrong done by love. What do I mean? means there's an extinguishing idea where we're extinguishing the impact of something by superseding it with love. In other words, we're covering an offense because of love. Doesn't that sound like Ephesians 4? Live in a manner worthy of your calling, be humble, be gentle, be patient, forgiving one another's faults because of your love. Forbearance is the word. It means to look at something and say, Yes, I've been wrong. Pastor Gary says this all the time. Sometimes you just gotta ask the question, what's wrong with being wronged? My answer is a lot. But forbearance teaches us that we can cover wrong done to us. Isn't it interesting that the enemy would seem to work the very opposite towards us? Challenging us at all times to expose and go after those wounds. Paul will go on and, and shift and says, love is always hopeful. This word is great. To hold a belief-filled stance towards others in every situation. To hold a belief-filled stance towards others in every situation. I.e., no matter where you're at, you never lose your belief in people and who they are. You instead decide to believe the best instead of the worst. How many are born pessimists? How many have just been taught that? How many look at everybody you see and everywhere you go, all you see is the best? It's okay, some people have that gift. We wanna know who you are so we can hang out with you. <laughs> it's the idea of having a belief-filled or a trust-filled stance towards others. It says love endures through every circumstance. It's an interesting phrase. It means to remain no matter what. The root word meaning to tarry and not flee. It's the condition of refusing to withdraw in any way, whether that's emotional or physical, and to bear things bravely. It's the art of refusing to leave or separate from a situation because of difficulty. How many of you were reading this with me and you're like, this is dumb. This is so contrary to the way we're wired naturally. Everything about this feels like an antithesis of the way we are wired natively. Everything in us says when somebody treats you rough, a situation's bad, get out. Get away from them. In fact, our culture would say, separate yourself, you, you owe that to yourself. Paul's statement here is, well, what love chooses to do is love chooses to endure through every circumstance. 
It sticks around in difficulty. How do you do that? The only way that is possible is if you trust the one who you love to watch over your life and make it work. Pastor Gary used an analogy about being at a, it wasn't an analogy, it was a story, about being at a conference when he was 18. In our first gathering, he was sharing it and he, he listened to Corey Ten Boom speak. Some of you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, go ahead and Google it and figure it out later. Big in the kingdom, she did a lot. But she made a statement in her teaching that, he, that when he was 18, it marked him. She said, sometimes you have to allow God to put you in situations you don't understand without needing an explanation. He has the right to put us in difficulty and the art of discipline in the kingdom is to stay there. Paul's statement here is this is what love does. It endures through every circumstance. This is what Paul says, it's what he means when he says, don't just pretend you love others, really love them. I wanna do an exercise to cement this for us. Sometimes it's really important to take what the scriptures say and write out the inverse or the reciprocal value. How many know math? How many remember what reciprocals are? If you have four over one and you multiply it by one over four, what do you, what do you get? I'm giving him a hard time because he teaches this all the time. <laughs> Reciprocals is what cancels something out. It's the inverse value. So I want to do this. Love wants everything right now. Doesn't care about what other people's feelings are. We're looking at love from the world's perspective instead of the kingdom because that's the inverse. It wants what others have. Love is in air quotes in all of these. It's always bragging about how exceptional it is. It's content with making others look bad. It always wants what's best for itself. It's quick-tempered, always reacting with anger. Keeps track of all the ways others mess up. Enjoys things that are evil and harmful. Always lies to make itself look good. Always hurts, it never trusts, never hopes things will get better. Most of all, it's always looking for an opportunity to give up. Now we read this and we're like, well, there's no way. Church, can I, can I invite us back to Romans 12, one through three, where Paul says, your mind has to be renewed because without the renewing of your mind, that's how you love. This is how we actually live. And so there's going to be moments and times where we come across some of those aforementioned things that are on the negative side of the scale and what should it be an indicator to us of? Oh, I'm a horrible person? No, it should be an indicator, I need more of him. I need to go sit with the king and just honestly say, hey, can you renew my mind, please? Can you renew my heart, please? Because I see things coming out of me that aren't you. I, I see myself stuck in stubbornness and resentment and whatever it is. You have an enemy that is constantly at work to lean you into the negative side of the love index. And you have a king who very gently is always inviting you to choose love, to never pretend you love others, but to actually love them. Would you stand with me, please?
Merry Christmas. How many would agree with me? Ouch. Gonna have to think about this one a bit. I wanna challenge you this week to go to 1 Corinthians 13. To go sit and look at this chapter and just invite the Holy Spirit to assess. Just have the courage to go, hey, how am I doing on this one, Lord? And if the answer at the end of it is you're awesome, I'm gonna go ahead and venture you didn't listen. (laughs) David makes a prayer that I love. He says, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. That is the heart cry we are to have as a people of God. Search me and know me, Lord. Lord, I don't assume I got this all figured out. I also am gonna be humble enough to not ever keep going that way without asking you to fix it. Without asking you to lead me and guide me. We're, he- we're heading into a season where we're around a lot of people. I mean, good grief, if you just go to Target right now, you're around a lot of people. We have plenty of opportunities to love incorrectly. But Paul's statement to us is don't pretend. Don't be an actor. Let your love be real and authentic and biblical. Let me pray us out of here. Holy Spirit, we desperately need your help. This isn't gonna work just because we heard it. It's only gonna work because you stepped into the process and led us and guide us. We sing this phrase all the time, truly you've taught us to love one another and this is the proof text. So today, tomorrow, all throughout this season, hopefully every day of our lives, Our heart cry is that we'd be people that the way we love others makes you happy. That our love is pleasing to you. It's authentic, it's never an act. So we give you permission to begin to deal with our hearts, to begin to cement these things. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time with us. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to invite you to join us at a live gathering. We are located at 1501 Academy Court in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about Vintage City Church, including our gathering times, previous teachings, and how to become a part of our family, visit us today at vintagecitychurch.com and be sure to connect with us on social media.